Good morning and welcome to New Hope Hilo, Hawaii. If you're new here, <laughs> yeah. and action. Thank you for joining our service today. Hope you guys what? <laughs> Good morning and welcome to New Hope Hilo. Check out what happened. Oh, check out all that. What? Check out. Good morning and welcome to New Hope Hilo, Hawaii. I'm Tracy and I'm David and Aloha. <laughs> so if you're taking that next step, <laughs> sounds weird. Water baptism. Yeah, yeah. And if you need prayer, we have a prayer room right here in our sanctuary. And Auntie Chris is one of our prayer something's ministers. <laughs> ministers. Are you a surfer or would you like to learn how to surf? No, I said that all Okay. This event, mm, this event focuses, okay. This event focuses on uh, the pain of surf. <laughs> Action. Is she really? We need your help this month to, to. We need your help this month for. Uh, <laughs> huh? Maybe you should look into into all. Oh. oh, maybe you should look into um oh. Oh, do a free mom. Maybe I should give my pre oh. Mom, maybe I should give my present to someone who needs it. Oh, oh. <laughs> On December 11, Aruana will be kicking off the Christmas season. During the weekday. And actually, and there'll be no dinner served that night. Available. <laughs> <laughs> making me nervous now. Okay, ready? Rolling camera and action. Oh, let me see this card. Oh yeah. Also, we got Christmas Eve service, Tuesday, December. I should know what they dated, is it? Nah. Our new Okay, here we go. Quiet on the set and action. From our I had it! Action. From our new Hawaii, you shaking. Stop laughing. From our new Hawaii to yours. Merry Christmas. Okay, here we go. And Chicken adobo was good. Joking, joking. They didn't catch the chicken. He was just playing with it. No chickens were harmed. I think what that does tell me, though, is we need help. We need help. Uh, I, I like the fact that we can laugh at the mistakes that we've made, and uh, we can look forward into a better, uh, more better prepared, and like, I don't even know what I'm saying right now because we're live. So, so just take out your bulletin. Just take out your bulletin, and just take out your notes. Today we're going to be concluding our series, uh, Choosing Truth, and we're going to be talking about just writing that final page of 2013. Uh, hard to focus. I'm still thinking of this uh, laughter thing. But what do you remember from 2013? What do you most remember about this past year? Now, some things may be good, some things may not be good, but there are certain things that we remember about 2013. And then the question becomes, how, how are you preparing for 2014? Because there are a couple days left and writing, writing the final page of 2013 will help us 
to bring some healing and some, uh, some vision into 2014, but it may also help us to bring some closure to difficulties that we've encountered in 2013, but it will also catapult us into 2014 and the promises that God has for us. Today, I would pray that we would allow God to inspect our hearts. Can we do that and uh, be more than just attending today? And I know we don't just attend church, but we allow God to do things in our hearts. But I think for today, just let God do something extra special. Let him go deeper. Uh, let him clean out anything that does not belong there that is not of him so that we can enter 2014 fresh and brand new. And then God will, again, show us a better future for ourselves and then when we go into 2014, we can go in with momentum, knowing that God did something great in our hearts before the new year came in. Some of us don't like inspection. So, you know, some of us, we don't like when people tell us what we're doing uh, that is wrong. We don't like when people tell us, uh, you know, this is how you're supposed to do it. Uh, we don't like inspections. I remember when we were growing up, uh, my mom would tell us every year uh, we had inspections for our home because we lived in a rental, and every year they would have to inspect the home to make sure that nothing was broken, or if there's anything that needed painting, or if the yard needed cleaning, then we'd have to clean the yard. So we dreaded that time of the year because we had to work hard. And so instead of working throughout the entire year, fixing things here and there, making sure the yard is maintained, we waited till that week of and we had to throw away a lot of junks from the yard. We had to dig all the weeds. And we didn't have a uh, weed eater. We didn't have a weed whacker. We didn't have a lawnmower. We had a screwdriver and scissors. That's how we cut our grass. And I grew up in Waminalo, so we had to pull, I mean, we had to pull out these weeds that was growing. We had to uh, cut the grass and, and get everything prepared. We dreaded that. And my mom would always tell us, if we don't pass inspection, we'll get kicked out. So that was our motivation. And so by the time we finished cleaning everything and the inspector would come over, we would just watch. And then he would, you know, do his checklist and then say, oh, everything's cleared. And we'd be like, yes, all of that hard work paid off. We could still live in the home. We didn't like the inspection, but it was needed for us to stay there. We don't like inspections. Just like our safety inspections. Some of us don't like that. But it's for our safety. It's so that you're safe as well as those around you. Now, you may be okay with your blinker not working or your light not working or your reverse light not working or the horn or your tires bullhead. You could care less. And you're thinking, I just need the sticker. Just give me the sticker. That's all I need or else I can't get this and that and this and that. Now, that, that may be okay with you and you may be okay with it, but it, it's not good for everyone else if your car is not safe. And so it is true with God. When God inspects our hearts, he's not just inspecting it so that we can be okay with it. It's also good for everyone else. It's good that we allow God to inspect our hearts in our marriages, for our spouse, for our family, in our workplace. When he inspects our heart and he does something different and he changes us for the better, then everyone, everyone benefits from it. And so today, that's what we want to look at. We want to allow God to inspect us so that he can do something great as he writes the final pages of 2013. Now, if you're reading your Bible with us in our devotional time together, then you're in the book of Revelation. 
The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and John wrote that book that he felt the Lord speaking to him and the vision that he gave to him. John was one of those that followed Jesus Christ. So as he's writing these, these words that the Lord is giving to him, it's like the final pages of history, but it also reminds us that God is not done with his story. He's still writing the pages of his story, or as we say it, history. God is not finished. He's not finished with you, and he's not finished with me. He's still writing the pages. So just look at 2013, or this final Sunday that we get to spend together in 2013, as not just the final page, but then opening up to a brand new chapter come 2014. And whatever that will look like, God will reveal that to us. In fact, he told John this, and it's in your notes Uh, Revelation 1, verse 19, he says, to write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. That's what God was doing. He was letting John know that he's writing history, that God is the author of it. And every single one of us can end this year strong, as well as get prepared and do greater things come the new year and start the year great by applying three biblical opportunities of growth. And the first one is this, to learn from suffering. Learn from suffering. There's things that we can learn from when we suffer. We hate suffering. No one likes to suffer. And when we try to learn something uh, something from suffering, we may think, well, I don't want to learn anything from suffering. I just want it to be over with. But we don't want to suffer in vain. Did you know that you and I can learn great things through suffering? That suffering is not just something we go through, but it's something we grow through. And suffering can help us become better and better and better. See, we can either learn to be bitter from suffering. We can be resentful, unforgiving, hateful, ungrateful, jealous. We can be slanderous or spiteful, fearful when things don't go our way or when we go through suffering. We can learn those things and become like that, or we can learn from suffering and learn something good, something positive from suffering. Let's take a look at Jesus and how he learned from suffering. Look at Hebrews 5, verse 8. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned, what is the word? Obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus Christ himself suffered. And we may think about the cross, and we may think, oh yeah, he did suffer on the cross, but Jesus suffered before he went to the cross. But what did he learn from suffering? What is the word? Obedience. He learned something from suffering. We can learn something from suffering. Have you ever learned something from suffering, and then you said to yourself, I'm never going to do that again. not going to do that again. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we say, I'm not going to do that again. I'm done with that. I'm not going to do that again. But we do the same thing over and over again. It reminds me of one of our our, uh, youth uh, who got sunburned. And he was in bad shape. Have you ever gotten sunburned and you say to yourself, I'm never going to do that again. Like you're walking around just stiff. You can't hug anyone. And you put on your t-shirt or your, your shirt and it's just so painful because it's that sensitive. Well, one of our youths, we went to a camp, got sunburned. Well, his mom found out. And then the next year... Uh, made sure he wore sunblock and made sure it was thick enough so that he could land on the sun. 
it was thick like frosting. Like when he went to the beach, when he went on the beach, it was, you, could, you could still see the, you know, the suntan lotion. It was frosted on him. Did he care? He didn't care. Why? Because he'd rather look like a cake than get sunburned. And he didn't get sunburned. He was thankful. Why? Because he learned from being burned. Some of us don't learn anything from being burnt. We don't learn from suffering. We just suffer, and then we're done with it. And then we suffer again, and then we're done with it. And then we suffer again, and it's the same thing. And God says, you got to learn from suffering. Take something from suffering. Have you ever suffered in 2013? Did you suffer from something that you can say, well, I'm going to learn to be obedient to the Lord this coming 2014? Because there are things that we can learn from. The question is then, what is the Lord teaching us? What is he teaching you through the suffering? Now, God doesn't make you suffer, but in life, we suffer. But he says you can learn something through suffering. That's the question we should ask ourselves while we're going through something that we're suffering in. We can say to the Lord, what are you teaching me? What can I learn from what I'm suffering from? What what can I learn in this time period of suffering? What are you teaching me? I like how Albert Einstein puts it. He says, learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. The important thing is not to stop questioning. And I thought, well, I I, I want to apply that to my life with God, that I would not stop questioning God, not in a doubting way, but in a learning way. That God, what are you teaching me? What are you showing me as a husband? Or what is he showing you as a wife? What are you showing me as a father or as a mother? That we would never stop asking God those questions because we can always learn from suffering. Ephesians 4, 21 and 22, it tells us, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned that the truth comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. The Bible is telling us that God is doing something new in us, to throw off the old self, learn from him, because the truth comes from him. You have a former life, but it's corrupted by lust and deception. So throw that away. He says, I'm going to give you something brand new, which tells me God has a vision for our future that's better than our own for our future, our own vision. He says, I'm going to bring you into a brand new season. Now, we've learned a lot about truth in the past eight weeks. Take something from it, because it will all come down to learning what we have all gone through. Take something that we can learn from in suffering. Colossians 3.10 tells us to put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Why do we learn? So that we can know our creator and become like him. That's why we learn. And so we learn from our suffering. But the second thing is this, that we listen to understand, not just to learn from suffering, but that we listen to understand Some people listen to talk and respond, but wise people listen to understand. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're talking to someone and you're trying to teach them something, but they're only listening so that they can tell you something that they feel? And you're trying to teach them something and you're saying, no, no, but if you just did this, this, yeah, I know, but if you just did this, this, and this. So both are not listening to understand, both are listening to talk. God says, I want you to listen so that you understand. Now, the book of Revelation, as you read 
uh, as we come to the closing of this year in your devotions. Revelations, uh, Revelation 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 7, 11, 19, and 29 starts off in this way. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. You know who the churches are? It's not New Hope. It's not Glad Tidings. It's not Sure Foundation. It's not these churches. It's you, people. That, that's what the churches are. It's the people. And so he's saying, listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to you. This is what he's saying. Because when the Lord speaks, it's not just so that we can hear him. It's so that we can understand him, to understand his ways. And then in Revelation 13 verse 9, it says, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. There's a reason why the Bible tells us to understand, to listen and understand. Because there's listening, there's, there's listening and repeating what you heard. And then there's listening and understanding what you heard. We tell our children, do you understand? We say that. Sometimes we'll say, okay, daddy said not to do that. Yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. Remember now, don't do that again because that's, not, that's no, no. Yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. They're not listening to understand. They're listening to repeat. And we're thinking they're getting it. They're not at the age yet to actually understand what we're saying and what we're meaning. They're just repeating what we're saying. So in their mindset, they're thinking, okay, he's correcting me or she's correcting me. If I just repeat after them, then I'm okay. That's why they go and do the same thing over and over because they don't understand why we're correcting them. They may hear you and repeat after you, but they don't understand what you meant just yet. And I thought, Lord, that's kind of us with you. That sometimes we hear the Lord we read or we hear scripture or we come to church and we, we get into the word of God and we hear what he's saying, but we don't understand what he means, so we never apply what he said. We just say, oh, that was good. Oh, great. That was a, that was, church was great today. Oh, it was easy to understand. Oh, oh, great, great sermon, pastor, today. Oh, it was a great sermon. But we're just listening so that we can repeat rather than listening to understand. And then... Once we understand and learn to listen to understand, then we obey him regardless of how we feel because we're understanding and we apply what he said because we understand what he's saying. It reminds me of that uh, scene in the movie The Guardian, and it's about a, a, the U.S. Coast Guard and, and uh, one uh, elder teaching the younger how to save lives and the way of the U.S. Coast Guard. And I think it's uh, Ashton Kutcher who plays the younger guy and then uh, Kevin Costner who plays the instructor. But the instructor does things in a different way. He doesn't like the classroom setting. He likes hands-on. So he's teaching the class about hypothermia. So he takes them into this big pool of ice-cold, freezing water and he throws them all in there. And he's teaching them about hypothermia. And they're all freezing in there. <laughs> and he's talking to them about uh, making sure you're warm, but saving up energy and, and, and all of these things. Well, one of the guys that brought in Kevin Costner as the instructor is looking for them because the classroom is empty. 
So he's looking all over for them, and finally they, he finds them, and they're in this pool, freezing. Well, he calls the instructor out of the water, and he says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm teaching them about hypothermia. And he says, you're supposed to be in the class teaching them about what happens during, uh, when you're re, uh, getting hypothermic, uh, or you're getting hypothermia, and, and, and you've you got to teach them about, about what happens and, and, and how they're supposed to respond, and, and what are you doing? He says, well, in about two minutes, they're going to understand what hypothermia is. <laughs> and I thought, that's one way to listen and understand because you're in the actual situation. Some of us, are in that pool of ice water right now and you feel like, I don't understand what you're doing, God. I don't understand what's happening in my life right now. Why do I feel like this? I, I, I feel junk right now. I, I want to be better. I, wanna, I don't want to be better than anyone else. I just want to be better than what I was. So what are you doing in my life right now? And it's almost like God is saying, in about two minutes, you're going to understand. It's like God has given us enough time as he writes the final pages of 2013, for us not just to listen, but to listen and then understand what he's doing because we can learn from what we suffer from and then we can also listen to understand. But here's the last key component, and this one is very important. Love following Jesus. Love following Jesus. Following Jesus is so important. But when you love following Jesus... That makes all the difference because he's going to tell us to do things that we don't want to do. But because, but because we love him, then we obey him. When you love something, sacrifices are easy to make. The other day, uh, we were planning to play basketball and uh, it was going to be the next day we are going to play basketball. So my daughter-in-law asked me, she said, oh, dad, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, oh, we're thinking of playing basketball and, and a couple of other things we planned and she said, oh, I was wondering if you could watch the grandchildren. And in my mind, I'm thinking, absolutely. It's a no-brainer. I love basketball, but I love my grandchildren a lot more. It's a no-brainer. Easy sacrifice to make. It's not really a sacrifice because of love. Now, if I had something else to do, like watch TV versus playing basketball, I'd skip out on TV and I'd go play basketball. But when it's involving my grandchildren, th there's no comparison because of love. Love, love makes us do things we normally wouldn't do under the same circumstances without love. That's how powerful love is. When you love something that much, it's, that much, it's not really a sacrifice because you love it that much. That's why Jesus said in John 14 verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my you will obey my commandments. If you what? Love me. Then you will obey my commandments. That's what love does. It's not, well, when you keep my commandments, it shows you love me. It's not what he said. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now, why does Jesus state it that way? Well, because love is the greatest motivator. And love makes you do things that you normally wouldn't do under the same circumstances without love. That's how powerful love is. See, there's a commitment level that God has towards us. That he says, I'm not going to leave you and I'm not going to forsake you because I love you. The sacrifice he gave to us 
by sending his one and only son to die for us, to him was a no-brainer. I love you that much. Then I'm going to pay the price for your sins so that I could have a relationship with you. That's how committed God is. And he's saying, when you love following me, your commitment level, your commitment level is stronger than if you didn't love following me. But when you love following me, then you're, you're committed. You're, you're, you're 100% in this relationship with God. See, I, I look at it this way. When you're dating, you're not really committed. You can walk away. But when you're married, you're committed. When you're dating, you can get into a fight, you can get upset and then walk away. And we've done that before. I remember our teenage years when Heidi and I were dating. That, you know, we'd get into a fight, we'd argue, and then I would just leave. And I'll go punch walls. That's what I'll do. I'll punch walls until it bled. But I didn't clean it up. I didn't, you know, cover it up. I walked in front of her with it like that. So that she notices. And so I'd walk in front of her. And then she'd see my hands. What happened to your hands? I was punching walls. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was punching walls. Well, how come? Because you making me mad <laughs> why you gotta punch walls for you hurt yourself honey don't do that well you you know you act like that then i'm going i'll punch walls oh no come here come here and you, are you okay does it hurt no inside i'm like give me attention give me attention i want all your attention love me love me i need it on the outside i was, I was punching walls and then she would clean it up and everything was good and, and then I would feel good about myself because I got her attention. I felt good. Now, you can do that in a dating scene and, and, and you can, you can kind of do whatever you want and it may turn out for the better. It may be like, oh, wow, I'm giving you attention. But you try and do that when you're married. <laughs> you, you do that when you're married. You're already committed in the marriage. You already, you already have one another. And if you get into an argument, you leave and you, I'm out of here. And you punch walls. You come back home all bleeding. <laughs> and your wife sees you. What happened to your hands? It's punching walls. You know what their response is now? What, so, huh? So, huh? Good for you. What, you got to get stitches, drive yourself to the hospital. Huh? Huh? You like bleed, no bleed on my carpet. Get out of the house. Why? Because you're already committed. You're in the marriage already. You're together. And you know what is interesting? I find this very interesting. Many of us treat God like we're dating him, not committed like a marriage. Did you know that you and I are called the bride of Christ, not his fiance? You and I are the bride of Christ. Do you know what kind of commitment that is? That he's saying, I'm going to be there for you no matter what. No matter what you go through, I'm going to be there for you. That's what Jesus was teaching his followers. That's why he said, come follow me. He was making a commitment to them that I'm going to lead you somewhere. But you come follow me. Love following me. He didn't say, oh, when, when it's convenient, follow me. And when it's hard, you can bail. He said, just come follow me because I'm going to show you the way. And yes, it will get tough. Yes, you're going to suffer. Yes, it's going to be difficult at times, but I'm not going to leave you because I'm committed to you. 
And he says, all I ask is that you do the same thing in return, that you come follow me. Three simple words. You just come follow me. Now, we may be writing the final pages of 2013, but at the same time, we're turning towards a brand new chapter of 2014. I say let's look forward to 2013. Let's learn from 2013. Learn from suffering. Listen to him so that we understand but love following Jesus. Those final pages that Jesus was writing with his disciples, right before he went to the cross, in that upper room, he brought his disciples together and, and he broke bread with them and he, and he said, this is my body which has been broken for you. Every time you do this, remember me. He was writing the final pages of his earthly life. And then he said, after dinner, he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant written in my blood. As often as you drink this, remember me. We know it as communion today. That as Jesus was writing the final pages of his earthly life, the disciples didn't understand that until decades later, fully understanding what Jesus was doing and what his life was all about and the importance that they played in the life of Christ and following him. And so by the time they began to understand, then they knew that they had a future and a hope in Christ because although Christ was writing those final pages, he was also catapulting them into a brand new future. And that's what he wants to do with us today. 2013 is coming to a closure, but be, in, be excited with anticipation for 2000 and, 2014. He's going to do something brand new. Throw off the old self. Bring on the new. That's what God can do in us. We're going to receive communion this morning together, and I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the juice and the bread, and then we're going to pray together. One of the things that we know with communion is that when Jesus broke the bread and, and drank, that he was letting his disciples know that it's not over. It's not over. And although it looked like it was over, that he went to the cross and it, looks, it looked like Jesus was done, it was actually just beginning. It was after the cross that the church exploded because now he sent the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, to move in and through all of us. And when we receive communion together, never forget that. Never forget that Jesus gave us the helper. Never forget the eight weeks that we've gone through of learning truth and choosing truth. And although the past couple months have been tough, not just for us as a church, but even as a state, we keep persevering forward because of what God is able to do come 2014. He's writing the pages of his story. Go ahead, you guys can pass out the juice and the bread. And just hang on to the juice and the bread and then we'll receive communion together. Just want to remind you, this Tuesday is our New Year's Eve service and it's at five o'clock. Uh, and then we're not gonna have our Wednesday night service because of our New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve service. It's our candlelight service, so it's gonna be just a great time. Uh, we're we're kind of continuing from today on that Tuesday night and we're gonna learn about Jeremiah and how he extracted from the precious, uh, extracted from the worthless to bring something great 
something that is precious. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. So that's going to be Tuesday. For those of you who may not understand fully what communion is, we're going to pray. And part of it is being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you wouldn't really understand why you're receiving communion. And when Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember me, you got to know Christ first in order to remember what he has done for you. And he paid the price for sin. The things that we've done wrong against God, he, he paid the price for that. We couldn't pay that price. And he said, I'll take it upon myself. I'll pay that price for you so that you could have a relationship with me, so that you could be with me for eternity in heaven, and so that you could have a brand new future here on this earth because we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now and, and just close your eyes for a moment. They're still passing out the juice and the bread, so just keep an eye out for that as we pray. Lord, is, it's at this time that we remember what you have done. Lord, we're so grateful that we can be in a place that freely worships you. We also know that you're going to do a great thing in us. You're going to do something brand new. Lord, I pray for those who may not know you as their Lord and Savior, and maybe they're searching for you, they're looking for something that's missing in their life. And maybe today is that day that they said, I, I, I want to have this relationship with Jesus. I, I want to learn from my sufferings, and I, I want to listen to his voice so that I can understand what he's saying. I want to follow him, but not just to follow. I want to love following him. And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to give him my entire heart. If that's you, could you just lift a hand just real briefly and you're saying, I want to give Christ my heart. Good. Anybody else? God bless you. Right here. God bless you. Back there. Good. Anybody else? Good. God sees your hand. God sees you. Back here. God sees you. Right here. God sees you. Good. Just hold those hands up. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Right here. God sees you. Good. God sees your hands. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray your blessing over those that, that are saying yes to you. And I, I pray that, that as they say this prayer, they would say it, but mean it with all their hearts. And that we would also pray this prayer together just to support those who are saying yes to you because all of heaven is rejoicing right now. So let's say this prayer together. And especially for those who are saying this for the very first time in giving Jesus Christ your heart. Here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Make me brand new. I believe in you. That you died for me. And was raised from the grave. And I pray this. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of receiving communion together. That we may never forget what you have done for us. I pray for all of us that as we write these final pages and as you pen the final hours and days of 2013, that we will look forward to 2014 and the wonderful things that you will do. We pray these things in Jesus' name and we all said,